You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Hello, Michael. Andre. What? You just did you? Are you having a stroke? <laughs> no, I just. I'm. I'm like. I literally am. Um. Uh. So this is our first. Uh, Recording this is our first, session. This is our first get together in the new year. Is it, it is. Not? It is. And uh, so I brought a special bottle with, and uh, I know you were dry January, so. Uh. Well. Okay. I mean, full, dis- I mean, full, dis- full disclosure, because I um, I tend to not make a huge deal about it on social media because I work in the wine business, and while I'm personally doing dry January, uh, you know, I'm encouraging people to buy my wine. Um, but I mean, this is something I don't talk about a lot about on the podcast. Is um, I come from a family of addicts. Um, my brother is an alcoholic, and my uncle is an alcoholic. And my father can no longer drink because he has cirrhosis of the liver, which arguably could have been caused by alcoholism. Alcoholism. Um, so it's something where I try to be extra mindful of my drinking habits. And for the past uh, few years, I've done dry, I call it dry-ish January. And um, so far it's worked out. Like really what I do is I'll make exceptions for dry January for professional obligations like this. Um, I like to think I'm an obligation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe obligations aren't, aren't the right word. But I mean, um, like we're recording this on January 9th. Um, I'm heading down to Ice Wine, the Ice Wine Gala next week. And I'm planning on enjoying myself. Um, and I mean, that's it. But, you know, since January 1st, I have had one glass of wine with um, another professional obligation, Maroki, who I do another podcast with as well. So... Yeah, I, I thought you and I would talk a little bit about Dry January because you and I had a conversation where I know you were poking a little bit of fun at me, but I wanted to share something with you because okay. I think I think your feelings are actually completely valid. Oh, Jesus. It's a new year and a, and a new Andre. <laughs> what uh, what happened? So uh, do, do we want to recreate um, the, the conversation a little bit? I Well... Yeah, if you want, I'll probably have the same reaction. Yeah, let's do it. Go ahead. Um, you remember? You, 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 well, it started with you asking me, do you want me to bring a bottle of wine over on Tuesday when we record the podcast? Yes, well, I, I, and I did. I brought this Two Hands 2008 Lily's Garden uh, McLaren Vale Shiraz, which that's that's what you caught me sniffing. And, and uh, it's, one of my, it's one of my favorite... Uh, I know we're not supposed to have favorites as professionals, but... When We're when I take my favorites. professional hat off and I put my wine lover's hat on, and if, if somebody would say, "What's your favorite producer from Australia?" It would be Two Hands. I, I, you know, anytime I can afford their wine, um, uh, you know, the Sexy Beast and the Gnarly Dudes and the uh, my uh, which, what, uh, the uh, the the Angel Share, which is my my favorite of their of their wines that that's those are the ones i'd like to pick up they're they're under 30 and they're good all right actually i've pulled up the transcript to make sure we've got it right you were actually talking to me there were two times now you've talked about i don't know if you want to throw them under the bus but an ontario winery's uh cool vintage cabernet franc that tasted like bell pepper juice and you were raging about it to the point where you brought up the same winery twice twice yes cabernet franc from 2013 correct and um it ended with you being saying something 
critical about their labeling, which is also something I'd agree with. I don't know if you want to name the winery. Uh, it's it's Domain Kalus. Okay, I, look, I, look I, 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 I found on my wine rack or in my wine cellar uh, 2013 Cabernet Franc, and I put up a little poll. And, it, it, you know, the interesting part of the, of the poll is, because first of all, I tasted the wine, and I was going to say nice things about it, but it was terrible. And... And I thought, I wonder, I, I know the perception of Domaine Calus is very high. And yeah. I wondered if people just would refuse to look at the vintage date, which is 10 years, 2013 Cabernet Franc. And I basically said, what do you think, how, does, how is this wine going to be? And 93% said, it's going to be perfect. Oh, wow. That's a high amount. You know, when and, I think of, and, and, and when you think about that, I'm thinking the reputation goes before what anything else. And that's, that's wonderful that they have such a great reputation. But I mean, 2013, mediocre vintage at best. I never think of Domaine Calus for, um, for the Bordeaux varietals. I, I think of Domaine Calus for Pinot and, and Chardonnay. And that has nothing to do with my love of, of just Chardonnay. It's just like that's. That's their that's their Matthews and Marner like you know the Bordeaux style blends unfortunately is like the Leafs goaltending it's wildly inconsistent but the, but thirteen would have been okay for Chardonnay would have been okay for Pinot Noir yep. for the Bordeaux varietals and it really was it was like liquid green pepper juice like imagine putting green peppers into a glass of water for a week in your fridge and just letting them marinate there for a while and then drinking that juice. So I'm I'm actually planning on reaching out to our friend Allison Sloot to come back onto the podcast later on this year because there's something about I, I do think we need to have like an actual conversation about whether or not the bell pepper is varietally correct uh, because like you had that experience in Chino and I think Allison's the right person to have the discussion with and I think you and I are on the same page in terms of it being good like I don't know if the broader market is in the mood for really green bell peppery cabernet franc but i would really like to get like a true cab francs lovers perspective on what is varietally correct because on the other hand i've had some very tasty cabernet franc from the napa valley but at that point it doesn't really taste like cabernet franc anymore you know see, i don't i see yeah I, I have that problem where the, when it gets into the very warm climates yeah it doesn't taste like cab franc anymore it just tastes like Cabernet Sauvignon with, the, you know, like a younger brother, which we all know it's actually the father. But, um, but okay, after after you made, uh, okay, so what you said is uh, their labels aren't great because they don't really have much differentiation between the entry level, the reserve, and like the grand very, reserve and very, all that. As is somebody it, who does, a, who inventories wine cellars. They're incredibly like when when you pull them out, you go, oh, that's the oh god, there oh it's right here. You know, yeah, you're I agree. always looking for what the thing is, and it becomes difficult to find. I agree with you on that. I mean, it's one of the things I love about like even Thomas's labels. Like he keeps adjusting what he's doing, and like this, I think this year Thomas has really knocked it out of the park by putting the vineyard label in really big letters on, yes, as long on as his those labels. Seen there. Yeah. So I responded to you in this quick conversation because I I just. I wasn't in the mood to engage in a Cab Franc discussion on Messenger. And I said, sent you a photo of what I was drinking that night. And it's a photo of the um, Compliments Blonde Lager de-alkalized beer. And I said, I'm drinking this tonight. Do you remember what you responded with? Uh, I don't remember what I responded there, but I remember what yeah, I said the next time. Uh, it was a facepalm emoji. Yeah. And then I said, it's pretty good. And then I said, wait, you know I do dry January, right? And do you remember what you said? 
You do you, boo, is probably what I at somewhere. No, there. you sent me a, an animated gif of, have you fully lost your mind? Oh, well, that's <laughs> probably true. And then uh, I responded with, I've done a driest January every or, uh, every year for four years. Um, and then you replied, you do you, boo. Yeah, see? Uh, but, okay, then you and I had, like, a quick conversation in passing today about the alkalized beer, where you said... Well, you asked me if I've ever had one. There we go. And I said... If I want beer, I'm going to have beer. And my counter argument to you is this is a beer. But like I'm reading the I'm reading the ingredients on it. Water, malted barley, sugars. Okay, so that's the only thing that this has that beer doesn't. Uh yeast, phosphoric acid, caramel color, hops and hop extract. Sounds a lot like beer to me. Do they put a lot of caramel color in beer? Uh I'm sure if we talk to the fine people at Molson Coors that some of their entry level stuff is doing that plus 35 Calories a can. I mean, for those of us who are watching our food intake in January. Okay. Look, if I want beer, I want beer. Like, okay. I mean, and I'd rather have the the, the full effect and full... Fl- Look, I had beer with my brother last night. Uh, we tried a bunch of Innocent Gun beers that, that were sent my way. Uh, we had the original, which was nice. We had the rum cask, which was also nice. Okay. I like the original better. And then we had something called a Creek... Uh, which was sour, like it said Scottish cherries, but that was hard to drink. Now, my brother's a big beer drinker, and I'm like, I don't know if I could finish that. He goes, I'll finish it, but I won't have another. So, and for my brother not to have another one is, is you know, pretty rare. Um, but we, we, so I had beer, and I and I liked it. And I, and I had something else from another Muddy York brewery my brother's big into beer and i didn't know money york's a good brewery we we used to sell uh wine next to farmers markets at the withrow market anyways i've poured you a taste of this beer but i like beer like as if i'm gonna have beer i want beer i don't want near beer so I, i i bought this because i was craving a beer like i was craving the flavor of beer i wasn't craving the buzz that comes with drinking beer and i wanted to cook but i thought i would pour this for you just to see if it would change your mind about whether or not this is beer i don't go for the beer buzz actually anymore um you know, this this is what Canadians drink when they want to feel like they're drinking American beer. I don't think you can make that joke anymore. I think there's so many good American beers out there now. Correct, but if you're if you're a Bud Light drinker, then this is this is your this is your beer when you're Canadian. All right, you're taking a taking a sniff of it. It's most sweet to me. I, I mean, when you're dropping alcohol from a product, you're often replacing it with sugar. Actually, my problem. I've had the Cronenberg, the 1664 um, near beer. It's like 110 calories, um, 110 calories a can. Oh, you did not like that. No, oh, I'm disappointed in that. It's like a, it's like a watered down ginger ale, or a watered down beer. One of the two. Could you take another sip and maybe the watered down ginger ale is from the taste of Shiraz in your mouth? No, that's like a, you know, okay. Here's. Here's what I, when I, I, so there are people who love the flavor of water. Okay. Okay. And I am, I don't, I, I know I need water. So when I, when I drink water, I usually put those, those drops in, you know, that gets us some flavor. <laughs> this tastes like I've not put enough flavored flavoring into the water and it tastes more water. So it's like I've, I've I've taken one of those little squeeze things, the inflate. What do they call them? Flavor enhancers or yep. whatever. So I've squeezed like one thing into it and taken a sip and going, oh, not enough flavor in there. There's no flavor in that. 
I oh. don't know. It doesn't taste like it. But, and again, I had beer last night from Innocent Gun, so no, it's all like I have. I, I know. I know. You, you know how beer tastes like. I'm actually. I'm. I'm. Um. I'm actually a little surprised at your reaction. Like I, I wasn't expecting you to say that this was. Oh my god, the best thing in the world. But like to me, this tastes like a light beer. Like this. I, I think you saying it tastes like American beer is as much as you were taking the, the piss. Like you were making a joke. Uh, to me, this tastes like a Coors Light. Like this tastes like a watered down Coors Light. I've had Coors Lights with more flavor than that. Yeah, but I don't know. For for me, like for Dry January, I had, an, I had another. Uh, I, I guess if you really want to, if you're really going down that path, and you know you can't be without your beer, I guess. Uh, but for me, it's not about a, a being without. Like it's about having a viable like alternative that doesn't have the alcohol. And, and and like I don't to me to me this reminds me a little of I gotta go back to something with real alcohol in it. <laughs> okay, so. Michael. Um okay let, let, let me let me just finish up like on on two points here. Um you know first off I had a, a friend come by on the weekend who was doing dry January and said that like jokingly that he was struggling with it a little bit. He's a guy he's a little younger than me and he works in the music industry or uh is uh, part of the music industry in a in a casual way, so you know you're around a drinking culture all the time. So I poured him one of these, and he went to the grocery store to pick some up on the way home because he thought it was. Of course, a he's good been without beer for nine days, so he's going to go for anything <laughs> that he can get his hands on. Oh my god, this may taste like beer. I may have some. And I and I think the thing I was looking to kind of like slipstream the conversation down is, like I said, for for me, this isn't like not beer because it doesn't have alcohol in it and like you're concerned about the flavor aside like that's fine i think um you know when you get back from italy when we're recording this i, I may try to find some other non-alcoholic de-alcoholic de-alcoholized there i, I nailed it on the third try de-alcoholized beers for us to try just to see if we can do that but you, you want to try and pull, pull one off on me and to say which one's the real beer well um, no but i don't think we're i don't think you're gonna get that you'll notice a difference it's well, just like finding something that tastes good and i think i think one of the problems that we have with um drinking culture in north america is your alternatives are alcohol or kids menu, right? And one of the nice things about dealkalized beer is it doesn't make you feel like you're ordering off the kids menu. Plus, it's one of the fastest growing segments in the market right now. So, like, okay. So here's my question: If you want, I guess it's my same thing with. I'm going to get in trouble, and why not? It's a new year, so I might as well go full hog and getting in trouble here. But it's like faking, right? Or this is like, where I was hoping you were going to take the conversation. Like a like a like a a burger patty that tastes like a burger, but it's right? not made. But with it's meat. not. It's made with whatever they want to make it with. Do you know what? Just eat the Why, meat. Why, if you're going that far, just eat the damn meat. Just eat the damn bacon. If you've got to make some, imagine what they've put in that to make it taste like bacon. To make it taste like a burger. Like to make it give like. There's got to be. I was having a. I was having another conversation with somebody else about this, um, and think of all the things that they put in it to make that, you know, veggie burger taste like a real hamburger. And if you really wanted a real hamburger, just have a little. Have a little bit. Like you don't have to eat the whole. Like you don't have to get a big burger into a slider if that's what you feel like. And I was going to say the same thing here. Instead, I don't know how many beers you have when you drink beer. Like when you come home and you go. I feel like beer. Like, my brother will drink a beer. There seems to be one in his hand all night long until he goes to bed, right? And, and I don't know if that's true or not, but that's that's my brother. Yeah. But if he was doing a dry January-ish, you know, so maybe he has, like, a small can instead of a tall boy, and it's just the one. Yeah. Like, if that's what he wants to do. Or, 
you know, make a bottle of wine last three or four days by throwing it into the fridge. Have yourself a glass of wine, a small glass, four ounces, six ounces, put it in the fridge, you know, and bring it out every day. And it's also a great learning experience while you're at it. So it's dry-ish January where you have six ounces a day or wherever, and you also learn about does the fridge help delay the, the progress of wine so that when somebody asks you, if they ever ask you the question, you know, what do I do with <laughs> leftover wine? You Instead of going, I don't understand what leftover wine is, you can actually say, well, by the way, here's a good way to make wine last. Well, I hate to tell you, I don't think there's anything that you just said that was controversial, and I, I think it's a very fair question. Like, I mean... One of the things about my little experiment that I did with you was I read off the ingredients, right? Like, all the ingredients that are on this are stuff that we could probably order off of Amazon or from a specialty shop, you know. Although, I'm not really sure what phosphoric acid is. Uh, I mean, it sounds like a chemical, but I, I don't know. It's the only thing on here that, you know, I don't really recognize i don't think it's that bad for me but like i think when you're talking about like you said like the facon and the beyond meat like there have been lots of conversations about whether or not those are actually healthier and it's the other thing too like um my one of my favorite meals of 2023 was when i ate at la bartola in toronto and um and by the way the adx wines are now sold there because i had such a good time eating there i needed my wines in their restaurant so shout out on two counts but i ate there before deciding to make the sales call um I went there the night I went to see Danko Jones with Guillaume and the food was incredible. It's Mexican food. And then about halfway through the meal, it was pointed out to me that the food there was completely vegan. And that was the, the best part about the meal was it, it was irrelevant that the meal was vegan. They built texture on the plate with beans and with mushrooms. Sorry, I know you would probably not dig that, but there's plenty of beans on it. But like, you still get that like full mouthfeel like you know the whole idea that vegan cooking has evolved beyond just like a bowl of leaves is like something that i think is is fantastic but the thing is nothing on my plate was cooked to be like oh we've diced up these mushrooms to make them feel like ground beef it's the food was presented as the ingredient was was cooked you know so one of the one of the taste well i went to a tasting once at uh, at huff uh when they used to do their six for six which was six chefs would come in. They had six different barrels of wine, and they paired up the wine with, uh, with with whatever chef they had. The chef got to taste the wine. Blah blah blah. He made something, and they brought in some. And they always had one guy from somewhere else, not Ontario. He was always from somewhere that they they invited him in, and they and he would come and do that. And this guy was uh, was an Irish chef, and he was vegan. Yeah. Or a veg- vegetarian, I think, because he did end up doing a, a cheese dish with halloumi. Never had halloumi before in my life before that. And this was the dish of the night. It was absolutely yeah. fantastic, whatever he made. Again, you said it had texture. It had it was, And I think I came to the realization uh, of this. I could probably, maybe, possibly go vegetarian slash, not probably vegan, but vegetarian because I do like cheese. Um and I like fish, so maybe that would still be ah, in there. Fish is a vegetable. Sure. So, but there, I'm if, the one who said something offensive. If somebody, if somebody would cook for me, because if I had to do it myself and go veg, I would just, you know, it would be the the leaves <laughs> would, of lettuce, and you're like, I'm I'm out. You know, within two days, I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. But if so, but if I had like a chef who came in and cooked me something and said, "Here's your dinner," and didn't tell me it was vegetarian. 
and well, it was I really mean, good. I mean, you're a bit of a picky eater I too, am, though. So but I you, mean, that, can, that kind of throws a, a wrench in the gear. You can hide things on me, like you really can. But I, you know, and I don't trust you. So you know, hey, you, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I, I do my best to respect your your dietary restrictions. I, I mean, I could probably do you an egg roll in, in a bowl that's uh, vegetarian, but I'm sure you would find some way to ruin that. Well, my 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 brother last night we ordered pizza. And he put olives uh, and mushrooms on the pizza. And he goes, I don't care. Pick them off. And uh, I did. That, that, if that isn't a, like, sibling, a sibling love right there, I don't know what yeah, He's is. like, I'm getting whatever I want on the pizza. You, well, you deal okay. with it. So the other reason I'm disappointed about your reaction to the near beer here is like, I did want to have a quick conversation just about the de-alcoholized wine. And that's the thing where... He said, I'm pretty committed to the driest January. I'm happy to um, to talk about it. And I, I think like the strategies that you talked about with moderation are a great thing for people to be mindful of year-round, not just in dry January. No, but it's if like, you were trying to dry, dry-ish because you're dry-ish January, yeah. all I'm saying is smaller beers, smaller pours, yeah. figure out what to do. And, like, I and mean, making, there's a way making, to do it. Making the conscious, because I mean, that's the thing too, is like, especially when you work in the business, like dry January is not something that like, I find it super easy to wake up. And I mean, this is the other reason why I do it is to wake up to be like, Oh, okay. Nothing in the house. Like I like to have a beverage in the evening. So I switched to a lot of herbal teas. The near beer was just satisfying a craving. And I was pleased with this particular one. Uh, so I drink a lot of herbal tea, a lot of the flavor enhancers that you're talking about with the, with the water. But the thing is like, I do strategize to have alternatives in the house to make sure that when I'm craving something fruity in the evening, I've got something to drink, you know? Anyways, the other place where I was going with this, um, <laughs> I had and, all kinds and of why, things running through my head at that and moment. why I was <laughs> disappointed with your reaction to the near beer was I did want to have a conversation with how disappointing dealcoholized wine is still. Um, you know, last January I tasted about 40 different non-alcoholic wines. And the thing is, why did you do that? Because I'm I'm trying to find the alternatives, right? Like I'm trying to find something that tastes good. This is a direction that the industry is heading, especially for my generation and the generation after that are drinking less. And it's just like if the industry is heading towards a de-alcoholized future, I want to make sure that we're still getting products that taste good. See, you know, I, I'm thinking of of the thing that I saw uh, from a Tim Hortons commercial. You know, the the, the Bailey's, the de-alcoholized Bailey's, and I'm like, why? But the flavor Bailey's, of Bailey's is great. Great. Does it find somebody else? Why does Bailey's have to do this? Bailey's is Bailey's. Don't start screwing around with Bailey's. But I don't the, drink does Bailey's. The flavor, I'm but does right the flavor there. taste the same? Like, does it taste the same? I don't know. Then, then what does it matter? The alcohol. But why is the LCBO selling de-alcoholized stuff? There we can. I can start that conversation too. Oh yeah. Why the hell is the LCBO now selling de-alcoholized stuff? Leave something for the other people to. The LCBO has got to stop getting out of their lane. Their lane is booze. I agree with that. Don't get out of your lane. And whoever's letting them do that, stop them now before they get on the road again. They had, or they already got, they got stopped years ago because they were selling glassware and bars and the bar but, stuff. But all that stuff is back in there. All that stuff is back in there. Corkscrews. You could buy ice at the LCBO now. Like the, the horse is out of the barn. And like I, I could not agree with you more. Like if you and I wanted to open up a de-alkalizer or a non-alcoholic uh, wine and beer shop next to the LCBO, there is absolutely nothing stopping us from doing that. But if you and I wanted to start selling beer and wine with alcohol in it to compete with the LCBO now that they're cutting into our business, we can't no, do can't that. Can't do it, right? 
So, you know, it's, 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 it's profoundly, it's profoundly unfair. And this is once again coming from the government that's supposed to be Mr. Folks, folks, business guy. Like, yeah, but I don't know how much, you know, the else, the, I don't know how much the government actually looks at what the LCBO sells. I, I think the I think the government is frankly worried about the fact that sales aren't doing so hot, and I think part of it is because my generation's not drinking as much booze. Part of it is the awful mismanagement of selection and quality of products at the LCBO, and I think part of it is just um, I believe, and it's my opinion. This but is I opinion state here. this, but it's my opinion that George Soleus is the worst thing to happen to the LCBO. That is my opinion. I don't know what to say to that. I haven't been around long enough to say one thing or another. Like, but we're. I remember moving to Ontario in 2007 and looking at the LCBO through rose-colored glasses because it was so much better than what we had in Saskatchewan. Now Saskatchewan's gone completely private and things have gotten a lot better there, uh, but still not great. And. You know, I think even up until before George took over, I still felt like there was something for me at the LCBO. Correct. But if you take a look, and what what he what he is what he has done to the LCBOs, he's gutted selection, he's gutted yeah. choice. Uh, he it's all about the bottom line to him, and 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 it's not about serving uh, the people of Ontario. And uh, a shout out to David Lorison, who you know in a in a column. That he wrote, uh, the thing he pointed out was that as as Ontario wine journalists, we are not invited anymore to taste what is being brought in through vintages. Yep, and that really was the let's call it the check uh, or the balance because we used to be you know we used to go in there we used to taste stuff. We would recommend the good stuff. We would, you know, you know, I don't know if people panned the bad stuff really. You know, there's only a few people who actually write, you know, the bad stuff. Like Michael Vaughn will tell you all about the complete and, listing. And, and Gord Simmel, God rest his soul. Yeah, he used to pan a few things. But, I mean, Michael Vaughn writes about everything that comes through. Um, I didn't write about everything. I, I pointed out the top, my top 30 or 40. I don't know what you did. I you, used to pick a top two every week on, on CFRB. Okay, so you picked the top two. So, But we were the check and balance versus for the LCBO because it's their we're, they're spending our money to buy wine, buy wine and beer, bring it in. Now we have to spend our money to get money. I mean, get, get our booze. And, and there's no check on them anymore. Nobody can say, what is this crap you're bringing in from... You know, a Bulgaria. Well, is, like, is, what I, is this? Why are you spend, Why are you wasting time in in this particular region? Why are you not bringing more Oregon wine and why not more Washington? This, why not this more was, stuff from? This from, was not like where I, I thought things were were going to go, but like I really, um, I agree with you completely on that. And it's just like I don't know who the LCBO is serving right now because if you're running it like a proper business. Like you're supposed to be looking for gaps in the market and filling the demand, right? And the amount of wine I'm getting people to buy for me from Quebec, uh, the amount of wine that I'm buying when I travel now because the LCBO isn't serving me. Like it's you know it, it goes back again to like advice you gave me fairly early in my career about like and, and making sure that you're not buying wine you can get back home when you're traveling unless it's like a really smoking hot yeah, deal smoking great bottle uh, i've had that conversation with many people you don't just buy wine to buy wine 
Uh, it's the same thing when I'm on tour with people when we're they're like, oh, I feel, we feel we should buy a wine at every winery. You know, if you don't like anything, no, it's just gonna, to. it's just going to sit on just, a shelf. Just pay for your tasting and, and, and carry go. on. Like, I mean, it's not it's if it's going to sit on your shelf for the next twenty years and go bad, and you're going to dump it down the drain. It didn't serve anybody's purpose. All right. Well, as we wrap up here, because this wasn't meant to end up as shots at the at the LCBO, um, I am going to see about trying to convince you on on non-alcoholic beer this year. I'm not going to make it like a huge mission, but like it's something where on if we're doing the thumbs up, thumbs down, the compliments, uh, Blonde Lager is thumbs up from Andre. Big thumbs down from me. I did not think that was... Uh, I, I, it wouldn't have fooled me as beer. I, it wouldn't have satisfied an itch for beer. Uh, <laughs> even if I was doing this dry-ish January and you said, here, have this, I'd go, what's this pop you've given me? Because uh, that's what it tastes like. It tasted like a watered-down... Okay, we already got your tasting. No, that's, that's, that's enough of you, Michael. Uh, so if you're listening to next the next episode with Andy Pay, it was supposed to run in January, so it might sound a little out of date, so we apologize for that. But th- that's what's coming up in February. You're off to Italy for a million weeks, so... Yeah, uh, and and Cyprus. I, I'm looking forward to talk to, talk to you about Cyprus. You're, yeah, I, good for you. You're going... Somewhere hot and warm in the middle of the crap winter. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Oh, I'd forgotten that part. All right. Well, um, <laughs> two guys talking wine slash Patreon. Uh, we appreciate the support that keeps the uh, lights on. I'm Andre Pru from underwinereview.ca at Andre Wine Review on socials. And I'm Michael Pincus of michaelpincuswinereview.com. You can find me as the great guy on most socials. Uh, sometimes Michael Pincus, sometimes Michael Pincus Wine Review, but. At the grape guy, for the most part. And, um, you know, Andre, this was a very interesting uh, experiment you did with me. I am looking forward to you pulling out a few more. Uh, like, I know your favorite is that French one. No, it's not. Oh, not anymore. No, no, no. no I never liked that one. I told you. Oh, so, okay, well. let me just finish the one point I was making. Is The problem with a lot of de-alcoholized products is to replace the texture of alcohol, you replace it with sugar. Yeah. And I try to be mindful of calories. Um there's 110 calories in a can of Cronenberg because they've replaced all that texture with a crap ton of sugar. Oh. One of the things I like about this compliments is like I think it's tasting watered down because it is watered down. It's only 35 calories, but I'm okay with that. All right. You'll be okay with it. I'm going to go have a glass of wine. You drink your beer. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.